Thompson. On the show today, we are chatting with the fabulous Daniel Norcross from Barfoot and Thompson Teatre 2. Plus, we are checking in with Doug from Money Hub for all things money. Welcome to Property Matters. Welcome along to another Monday. The year is rocking by. Who started their Christmas shopping? Yes, you do need to start thinking about it. Isn't that scary? I'm absolutely delighted to have two fabulous guests on the show today. First of all, sitting across the desk from me is the wonderful Dan Norcross from Barth and Thompson Teatre 2, Head of Property Management. Welcome back, Dan. Welcome. Thank you. Great to have you here. Welcome to our new studio since you've last been in. I know, it's a bit nice. It's a bit nice. It's a bit uh, flash. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, joining us currently from a Across the ditch, a big welcome to Doug Shepherd from Money Hub. Welcome, Doug. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for having me along. Look, it's great to have you here. And look, before we kick into it, I'll get you both just to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. So, Dan, kick it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, um, I am head of property manager um, for Tiatu Branch. Um, been with them just before the dreaded C word lockdown, first one. <laughs> um, and then, um, so I've got a, a team of three um, staff um, back at the office. We mainly focus in the west area, Tierra 2 Peninsula, um, Tierra 2 South being our focus points. Um, but we do look for other areas. Um, in my personal time, I do a bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> bit of it sounds. Jack of all trades. Yep. Yep. But I'm a master of all. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> love it, love it. And Doug, tell us a little bit about you and what your role is at Money Hub. Yeah, so I'm the uh, the head of partnerships and operations at Money Hub, which basically means that all relationships that we have with brands across the website fall under my domain, and also all the back-end processes that go into making the website run and all the day-to-day stuff is also stuff that I touch on. From a uh, personal perspective, I've actually just moved to Australia um, for a little bit of uh, expansion within the business, which is very exciting, um, and I've been spending a lot of my personal time building some IKEA furniture, so, you know... <laughs> goes hand in hand with property. <laughs> oh, no. You poor thing. You wouldn't want me doing your kit sets. I tell you, I always end up bleeding. Don't know why. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I was really impressed with your website. You know, it truly was a one-stop advice for all things money. I sort of felt like I'd stumbled across a Consumer Institute site. It's got info from loans to investments, right down to a fabulous guide for students on what scholarships are available for them. So tell us a little bit what it, about your organisation and what its goals and objectives is. Yeah, definitely. Like like you say, we cover a bit of everything, really. The major goal for us is to be the place that you think to go to when you're making a decision about anything involving money. So we really believe that freedom of information is the most powerful thing available. So we work really hard every day to bring light to the different options available for New Zealanders within the finance realm and just try and help them to make those more informed decisions. So touching on your comment about being a consumer website, uh, we definitely are. So we have a journalistic nature in which we present the information, but we definitely create for consumers. So we were founded with that sole aim of presenting consumer and financial products uh, in a clear and understandable way to the general public. And we pride ourselves on being non-political and working with only the best partners available, which really allows us to work without our hands tied and be completely unbiased and objective, which means you can trust our research. So how do you do your research? 
Yeah, great question. So basically, we focus on gathering all the information that's publicly available and then spend heaps of time analysing, reviewing and condensing this information. And I was saying before, we want to create really clear resources that help people understand what's going on. And often there's quite a bit of um, quite a bit of marketing efforts that one would have to go through because if you want to go through this yourself, you've got to open, you know, a thousand tabs on your computer, <laughs> spreadsheet to analyse it. You've got to put in a lot of time and, well, you have to have that knack for seeing through the marketers, well, marketing efforts. So every time you want to use a product or service, you'll always come across those marketing uh, kind of terms and all the nice imagery in front of you. And so we really just go straight to the source, look at the numbers, look at the facts and try to present it to you in that digestible format. And if um, there's anything that we might struggle to understand, we'll go and ask the company the questions themselves. Uh, and if they are unable to provide us with that information, then it's a great learning for them. They can go back and work on presenting, you know, better information. Uh, of course, after the bit of back and forth, when we have the reviews or guides on Money Hub, they can come to us and read about it. But if they don't have that information that the public needs out there on their website, we also encourage them just put it out there because if they don't come to us, they should still have access to all that information because transparency is the, the key thing in this market. Absolutely. And can public themselves contact you if they've had a good or bad experience with a provider? Do you, do you take that into consideration? Absolutely. We love it. And it honestly, it helps us and it helps everybody just so much. So we welcome any and all feedback. If you've, let's say, invested in a fund and had a bad experience with fund managers, or maybe you didn't get a good claiming process with an insurance provider, or, or maybe you had a really good one, we'd love to hear all about it. So there's an email address, which is just team at moneyhub.co.nz, and you can send everything to there. Um, and it's just so super important that people do share their experiences, similar to when you're you know, looking up restaurants where you want to go and eat. If mm. there's a thousand reviews and the average Google rating is one out of five, you're not going to go there, right? And it sucks that so many people have had a bad experience, but it's really good for the rest of us because we know not to go there. So reviews definitely help. We would love feedback. Send it all through, and um, then we'll dig into it and um, find out what we can. So then how does your organisation get its own income? I mean, how are you funded for this? Yeah, so it's a real interesting question that a lot of people ask because I guess it's not, not a very common business model, you could say, but essentially we make money through affiliate links. So when you sign up through a link that we have on our website, we get a little bit of money and that money goes straight into, you know, building the website, building more resources and helping you with more areas of your personal finance journey. So these links that I'm talking about don't influence us in any way. So if a partner, let's say, were to pay us for every sign-up that we get them on maybe like an investing platform, if they were to contact us and say, hey, you know, we want to change the way we're represented on your website, we immediately go back and say, hey, that's not how we work. We're really clear on transparency and honesty. We only go with the facts. So we never take any money to, to change the way that we review and um, work with partners. So these links help us to support uh, the websites so that we can bring more resources, but they don't influence the content in any way, which is a really big takeaway. And these links that I talk about aren't even all over the website. Like most of our pages don't even have these affiliate links um, because we're really focused on creating resources that will help New Zealanders. So there's a whole bunch of resources out there that don't make us any money, but we make because we just want to educate people and, and help them make those more informed decisions. 
Brilliant. Okay, now it's time to sort of unpack all the areas that you cover. Uh, so if we were jumping on your website, you've got a wonderful menu at the top with, with lots of different areas that you cover, and I'm curious for your, your take on each one in the top tips, but I'll let you guide us through. What are the main areas, well, I'm curious to what are the main areas people are clicking on? Yeah, definitely. So um, on the website, we have around like 20 different items on the main menu. So I'll run through them in maybe like 20, 30 seconds each. Um, but to answer your first question of kind of the main ones that people are engaging in, there's there's a few really big ones. So um, insurance, investing, and banking and savings usually see quite a lot of volume uh, just throughout the year. Um, but we do see some areas spike up and down depending on what's happening. So, for example, when New Zealand went through, you know, the flooding, uh, whether it be round one, two or three, uh, we see a lot of people um, clicking on the insurance and just making sure that they fully understand what they can and can't claim for. And, and maybe are they with the best provider that, uh, that suits them? Because there are different providers for different situations. So uh, definitely current events can dictate where people are clicking. Um, but on whole, it is that investing, uh, the insurance and banking and savings that sees quite a lot. So I'll take us through uh, the website's uh, topics. And so starting off with investing in the top left. So this is actually where the website first started really. It was all about investing. Um, the founder, Chris Walsh, had a wealth of knowledge within the investing space and just wanted to share it all. Things like what is a share, what is an ETF, how do you go about purchasing these things? Are they actually in your name or does a custodian hold them? And then what's a custodian? Because there's so many different terms within the investing realm that it's really important to break these things down. So we've got a whole lot of guides in this space. And then we have the reviews available for the platforms that allow you to actually purchase those shares and ETFs and things. So within investing, we've got traditional investing. Um, we've got alternatives like Forex and gold and futures markets and cryptocurrency and all that. So anything invested is in that little vertical there. Then we jump into loans and finance. So as it's titled, we basically break this down into car finance and personal loan finance. So the first thing that we always try to convey to our readers is that uh, taking out money can be very beneficial in some circumstances, and obviously in some circumstances you really need to. Um, but often we try to ask our readers the question, do you really need to take the money out? Um, and if they do, we give them the kind of information so they can make a good decision on making the best uh, loan-based provider decision. So who to go with really and make sure it's really right for them. Because just like insurance that we were talking about before, there's different providers for different situations. And that's where advisors can come in really handy and, and working with them. So one of the key takeaways for listening to this podcast for the Money Hub perspective is that we aren't personal financial advisors. We don't take the time to learn your specific situation and therefore we can't give out that advice. So what we do is we collate that information and help you make the best decision you can with, with more information. Right. So we've got car finance and we've got personal loans there. Next on with insurance, we break it down into, you know, car, home contents, pet, life insurance, um, credit cards. We've got all the different types. So unfortunately, um, in New Zealand, there just aren't really as many kind of opportunities to engage in the kind of credit card reward schemes and things. So you'll often see on YouTube Australians or Americans talking about their 10 different types of cards mm -hmm. and how they earn all these crazy points. In New Zealand, sadly, we just don't have access to that, and there's very limited options. Um, but what options there are, we do have reviews and guides on them and, and how you can maximize it and make uh, the best use of it. 
So then jumping into the next one is banking and savings. So we've got all the re- reviews uh, and kind of strategies on things like, you know, your savings accounts, term deposits, or with banking, uh, if you've got a joint bank account, or just what's the best one for international money transfer. Um, so just cuts into all of that. And then mortgages, similar to loans and finance, but obviously with a full focus on property. So we've got things like um, calculators, buying a home, selling a home, is it investment property, all the things you might need to know like legally and tax related there. And then we've got KiwiSaver. So the biggest financial investment that a lot of uh, New Zealanders make throughout their life uh, is the KiwiSaver. And so it's really important to understand how it works, how the tax situation works, what providers are available for you and and how it all works. Uh, As you will no, the National Party has just announced a bit of a strategy of allowing us to invest in multiple KiwiSaver fund managers, um, which is something that, uh, again, Australians and Americans can do already. So it's a really good step in the right direction. But there's also providers in New Zealand, such as InvestNow, that actually allow you to do this already. So one of the things that we try to do is try to bring light to those situations uh, where you can engage in these things through our KiwiSaver knowledge there. Mm. So then... Quite a few um, coming up. So for business, basically, if you run your own business, go have a look there because we've got everything you need to know about business credit cards and travel, insurance, loans, things like that. Uh, If you're a user of the Ministry of Social Development, we have the MSD stuff there. So things like job seeker, disability allowance, childcare subsidies. If you want to understand how any of that works, we work quite closely with the MSD. So one of the beneficial things about being really impartial and objective is we contact the people that we review and write guides about, and they give us a lot of information that helps us make sure that everything is really accurate. And then they use those questions that we ask to make their website better as well to help more people just get the information that they need. So you can rest assured that the information is all accurate, and if it isn't accurate, write in and tell us because we would love to change it to make sure nobody um, gets any false information. And then next one is motoring, so anything to do with a car, buying and selling, warranted fitness and stuff. Law, any legal-related thing um, pertaining to some financial stuff. So we've got you know divorces, trusts, wills. Those are some big ones. We've got guides on them. We've got reviews on platforms that will help you out. Job hunting, that's a great one. So uh, in this current economy, Uh, There seems to be a lot of people wanting to move around and look at new jobs and stuff, so we help them out with CV and cover letter resources, recruitment um, and agencies, and then also the job application kind of resources there. Travel's a really big one. Uh, So travel obviously took a massive hit because of COVID, so a lot of our resources uh, weren't being looked at for a while, so we used that time to revamp the travel space. And now that people are really keen to get out and we're seeing a lot of overseas governments encourage people to come over with uh, free flights or visas um, where people can come and work for extended periods of time, we see a lot of volume in travel at the moment. So really big ones on you know the currency exchange and things like that. That's where we dominate because it's obviously finance related. Oh, right down got, to 100 free things to do in Auckland. I love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the thing, right? Because one of the big things with they're saving uh, New Zealanders. Yeah, exactly. You're saving money and doing stuff in your own backyard. Because New Zealanders always talk about how beautiful New Zealand is and then they don't get out of their own apartment or house. So it's um, it's really good that we, we create these local guides as well to really encourage that travel and, and save money, as you say, because you don't always have to spend money to have an awesome experience. And that's a really big thing. Um, 
so yeah, tra- travel is just a fantastic vertical we have there. And then moving back into the home, we have broadband and power. So we tell you things like um, you know, all, all the reviews on all the providers, all the comparison. Have useful information like for broadband, we've got in power, we've got you know guides on how to use your power bills by being a little bit more creative with your strategies of using your appliances. Uh, and then we move into financial independence. So there's a really common and kind of timely term at the moment called FIRE, which is financial independence, retire early. And so a lot of people are really keen on achieving that financial independence early. So we've written a whole bunch of guides on um, the different types of FIRE and how to get there. And then almost at the end, we have better living, which is a pretty much a catch-all for everything. So as you'll see, we've got reviews on survey platforms to earn some additional income. We've got school holiday activities. We've got a shoe con- shoe size conversion guide and, um, you know, buy books online. So this is actually a lot of... Um, a lot of pages that we have that don't make us money sit here where we just think it's just really good information for people to have access to. So we just pop it in that category there. And then we've got trade and professional services. So basically it's segmented by area. So for example, we could be looking at Hamilton. And then if you live in Hamilton and you really want to get a catering provider, you can click on that catering page within Hamilton. And we'll tell you all the questions to ask of your caterer, uh, the terminology that they use. And then we'll give you some recommendations for local caterers to really go to in that area. So we've got a whole bunch of service providers in all the different areas. And that's that one. And then finally, students. So very similar to job hunting, as often students are really just looking for jobs. But we also have that wonderful scholarship list, as you talked about before, um, which actually sees tens of thousands of people every single month looking at it. Um, And we're across all the schools, and we work with uh, pretty much every high school in New Zealand um, disseminating the information there. So that is a quick... Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is just so much on there, which is is awesome. Um, okay, to close your interview then, here's the hardest question of all. What are your own top tips when it comes to looking after money? Yeah, I mean, other than reading Money Hub, <laughs> no, I think um, I think the big thing I would suggest is that people go to their bank account and credit card providers, and you download the statement, and you sit there, um, and you just scrutinise every transaction. Uh, I've done this mm. exercise with a lot of people, and they often come to me and say, "I don't even remember signing up to this third yeah. streaming platform," yeah. you know, yeah. and it. If you don't look, you're not going to find. No. So that's the first one. And you see things like Apple pop up and you go, that's okay, okay, it's just my Apple subscription. But then you actually look and realise that's come out five times this month and then you go into your subscriptions online and realise, yeah, all those things that you signed up to for a quick free trial so you could edit a PDF on your phone. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That, that's how they get you, those free trials that just randomly ask you credit card information and then, you know, next month, like you say, five transactions to Apple. So really good to just scrutinise those things and see how those kind of regular uh, transactions can also crop up. So obviously the classic example of buying a cup of coffee every day, it might not seem much the first couple of times you do it, but if you look at it on your bank account, um, then you'll see that it really does start to add up and eating out and things like that. So so tip number one is scrutinise the transactions. And then tip number two uh, would be really just trying to question the purpose of the spending. So a really common one that a lot of people do is they go and catch up with friends and eat out and have a meal. Mm -hmm. And 
the whole purpose of catching up with your friends is the, the socialization more so than the eating a lot of times. And so what I've worked with um, a lot of people just kind of close to me discussing it about is we would say, well, if the main purpose is to catch up, why don't we just go for a walk or something? Because instead of spending $30, $40 on a meal, why don't we just spend $5 making food at home and then just go for a walk? And often that can be better health-wise as well. And so I guess it's really just kind of looking at the spending and saying, is this the, the only way that I can do the other things that are not related to money, like the catching mm. up with friends? So... Yeah, just kind of having a look at transactions and having a think about whether it's the only way to do stuff is kind of my two top tips. Brilliant, love it. I love it when you go out with a large group of people and you decide you're going to have a cheap night and order a salad and a Coke and everyone's got the fancy wines and the three-course lobster and then they split <laughs> split the bill at the end. Oh, no, that's the worst. <laughs> Those moments and it's like, what do you say? Awesome. Look, Doug, lovely to catch up with you. Good luck with setting up in Australia. Where can people head to find out more and get in touch? Yeah, thank you. So basically I'd say Google Money Hub will be there, will be that first result. Sign up to the EDM. It hits your inbox every week uh, and just have an explore. That EDM is really good for providing timely information. So, for example, in January and February, we'll send you savings content, which will be really useful after you blow all your money on Christmas shopping and a Christmas trip. Uh, so we, we know what it's like. We spend money too. So timely information there and then if you don't find something on our website that you think we should cover write into that email address which is team at moneyhub.co.nz and the head of research chris and myself will uh, access that inbox read all your emails and we'll go from there so um yeah that's that's pretty much how you can find us and stay up to date brilliant awesome all right doug thanks so much enjoy the rest of your day i hope the sun is shining in australia for you thank you you have a lovely one too awesome cheers Great advice and such a good website, Dan, just to have everything in one place like that. Yeah, absolutely. Really clever. And especially with, um, you know, the economy as it is currently in, in New Zealand and investors wanting to invest but maybe scared, um, mm. you know, it's a great place to have a look. Absolutely. So go and check it out, moneyhub.co.nz. Now... <coughs> Listening to all of that and thinking about investments in your part of the world, in West Auckland, um, thinking about Teatatu, what is the area of Teatatu like as an investment area? So um, if anyone's been in Teatatu um, in the last couple of years, there's certainly a lot of um, new builds um, and a lot of development that's going um, in, in the area. Um, and so we, we do have a lot of investment. I would say the investment is starting to pick up now. Um, it, it did die down a little bit, um, but it's certainly um, in the new build um, sector, really, of, of real estate um, in, in Teatatu. So thinking then instead of investment, what is it like as a place to live as a neighbourhood then? Because um, you've got South and Peninsula. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, you've got your, some of your streets, your, 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 you know, your prime streets um, on Interior 2 Peninsula. Um, and it's absolutely got beautiful views, um, great coastal walk. Um, and then you've got some of your houses where, unfortunately, um, with um, council regulations, you know, not always putting car parking spaces in into these new developments. So that is what's mm. causing the problem is maybe um, locals of um Tiara 2 um, is maybe not too happy that's been there all their life um, just because, uh, you know, the parking in some of the streets in particular can be pretty hard. 
So what makes a good investment home in Te Aratu? If If someone's looking out this weekend to buy a home and wants it as an investment, what are people looking for to rent? Um, first, I think first things first is absolutely um, a car parking space. Yeah. I think off-street parking, um, and, and that's for uh, a multitude of, of reasons, really. Um, you know, for, for safety, for protection of your property, um, I think... For, for and actually to get a car parking space outside your house, mm. um, you know, I think anywhere um, is is pretty hard now. Um, and you know, to park in places because especially if you have a development of yeah. eight to ten, sometimes twenty um, townhouses, and they don't have a car parking space, those cars have got to go somewhere. Mm. Is there a size of house that's the most popular at the moment? Are people ringing you going, "I need a four bedroom, a three bedroom"? A- I would say um, before um, we had this pandemic um, period, um, I would say like, you know, a three bedroom house, absolutely go for it. Just be careful of, of, of if you go any bigger. Um, however, I think with the economy, um, with, with, you know, the rise of cost of living um, and with, with the pandemic, uh, a lot of families now have decided actually we can live together. Yeah. Um, and come together so we we notice that um our our five bedrooms or you know or or four bedrooms and above uh, are pretty um hot and when they come to the market they go very quickly wow um you know currently uh, across just in Tierra 2 branch our last looked we had 592 um tenants that's registered um on our, on our software Brilliant. Yeah. That's a lot of people. So when it comes to an investment, walk me through start to finish. If if an investor comes to you before they even buy a home, how can you help them? Yeah, so um, with any investment nowadays or even with a, a, um finance for a property, you have to have a rental appraisal that goes alongside it. So um, we've um, worked with... Um, so a couple of investors right now that are, are considering the area to buy. So what we would do is we would then have a chat with them, um, see their needs um, and, and what they, they're wanting to do. Um, we would then make sure that we give an honest appraisal of what can be achieved realistically in the area at that time of the, of the condition of market. Um, and then they would then usually take that off to their finances, try and get finance approval purchase the the, the property um, and then come back to us Um, and in that time we've already built a a good rapport and a relationship and trust um, where they will then um, sign up a PMA Um, and we usually do it just before they're going to um, you know uh, uh, before they purchase the property um, or at unconditional stage so we've got it all lined up then we will then um, work with them for their settlement date to make sure that we can get the photos and we start it as soon as they take possession of the property we will then immediately put it on to the market um, and then um, we will then find the tenants and then we would then see them through the process um, and then have them for many years on. Brilliant. So why why have your property managed? Why should an investor not just look after it themselves? I think, um, like anything nowadays, um, legislation, um, you know, I think property management, man, real estate is, um, property management in, in particular, had a massive change um, as, since I've even been in, in the country, um, since 2020, um, changes constantly uh, of with healthy homes legislation, um, notice periods, um, how um, you manage um, a tenant that's maybe in, um, in arrears. Um, it, we've had a lot of change, um, and I think, I think 
some people think that they can do the right thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a lot of um, advertisement out there now to say that, you know, does tenants know their rights? Yeah. Um, and we're in a market where tenants do know their rights, and, and that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, people should, everyone going into anything should know their rights of, of how they can live or, or purchase a property. So um, it, it's tricky because if you serve a notice wrongly, um, you're not gonna. It's not gonna be in favour mm. for you. It's gonna be in favour for the tenant because they're gonna have a loophole and they're gonna be able to get away with it. Unfortunately, and it sounds a bit negative saying that there's bad tenants out there. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I can honestly say, you know, you get the odd one now and yeah. then. Um, yeah. You know, we do the vigorous checks. We make sure that those tenants are right for that property and right for for the landlord as well. Um, and we take time. Um, we don't just put the first one in through the door on a viewing. Um, is going to get the property, so um, that's another way as well. So that we have the the investor's best interest as a landlord to make sure that we look after their property, but also that we have an obligation to look after our customer, which is our tenants, um, and make sure that they're happy and we're not inflicting on their their peaceful. Mm, mm. What makes you think your team stands out? Because there's lots of companies out there. What's making you stand out? Um, I think anything that stands out, um, you can potentially be the worst company or, or not. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think customer service is the top of the list. Great customer service. Look after that person, um, no matter if it's a tenant, landlord, creditor, um, or, you know, or anyone that, you you know, you come in, in, in um, connection with. So my team, uh, my team at, uh, at TLO2 are pretty um, good uh, when it comes to customer service, making sure that they're good listeners as well because you can give good customer service, but if you're not a good listener, you're not going to actually hit the points that that's a requirement for your client or customer. Mm. So absolutely, um, you know, that I can, I always say, and I've brought this from all my careers, is if you give a five-star service and that person should never ask twice mm. um, or ask a question twice. Um, and I think if you can follow those processes, you pretty yes. much... Yeah, that's definitely a good good customer service motto yeah. to live by. So what is it about property management that you love so much? Uh, well, if anyone knows me personally um, <laughs> or have come in for any um, uh, connection with me at all, um, I like to talk. Um, <laughs> I like to meet people. Um, so property management for me is, is a perfect balance of where um, you can really... Um, progress um get great skill sets but um and it teaches you a lot of things you've got to be resilient because some days you might have the best days and some days you really will have the worst days of of your career um i love talking to people i love going out seeing people's homes and interacting um and also um a real good satisfaction of when tenants have been in a market like they currently are now they've been to 50 open homes because there's 50 people at every open mm. home for for a viewing and they've just missed out on that opportunity and mm. we've given that chance in in the smile on their faces when they come through the door um is is really you're making a, a change in someone's life um in, in making a difference and i think you know that's why i love what i do and what's different from the UK? Because that's where you you started this journey. I'm guessing there is quite a few differences between New Zealand and UK when it comes to property management. Yeah, um, there. You know, it was. 
a lot of it um, was around the notice periods, to be fair. And I know that, you know, we see a lot now in the press and in, in especially in particularly with the elections coming up, you know, it's a, it's a big focus for property management in terms of what, or investors, the, what um, every party is looking at is these notice periods. Mm. So that was a pretty um, tricky one, um, you know, to, to get my head around because... A fixed term is a fixed term, and they've, um, you know, you do, you know, in the UK we do like a three year contract. I was going to say, you have some quite long ones, yeah, don't you? Yeah, 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 absolutely. We won't go to a five year because obviously it's the same rule here, it goes into a deed, you know. So, um, but in the UK you have, you negotiate, and that's how you get them through the doors. The longer the lease, the, the, the better <laughs> they are, um, and they can negotiate on price. Um, and but the notice period is you can get rid of them at that fixed time. Mm. Uh, you know that's it. So that was um, a big difference to to get my head around of negotiating a twelve month <laughs> fixed term rather than a twenty four <laughs> thirty six. Um, I think you know just as I was leaving the UK, a lot of new regulations and laws were were, were coming into place in terms of um, what they were trying to implement. So where we got the healthy homes, they've got now like an electrical side of it. Um, so that was pretty um, different um, because we were talking about electrical, but now you're talking about complete opposite over um, with the healthy homes. Um, they, yeah, so there is lots of similarities. I think we are ahead of them some in mm. some ways, but we're also behind in some ways of, of where we're moving forward. You know, that you had some licenses for properties, which licenses you would only have for certain, for commercial, I suppose. Right. So, um, yeah, but there was like a, a, it had to be deemed to be a rental residential property. And that was just changing as I was leaving. So, um, you know, we sort of learned the processes, um, you know, being like a, a leader like Barford and Thompson in New Zealand, that's the same sort of company model that we had in the UK. So we were actually ahead of the time to ready to hit the button right. really when, when it was about to come out. But um, yeah, it was big changes, but good changes as well. It, it certainly put a bit of interest. Um, I suppose actually I should mention, which actually does still... Um, crossed my mind and it quite um I, I can't understand it but every single year in the uk you have to have a gas safety certificate right um and it, regardless if you've got a three-year contract every single year you have to if it's a residential property that's being for yeah. rent yeah you have to do it yeah we've got brick and tile over there in new zealand yeah. <laughs> we're full of wood wooden <laughs> houses um quite flammable and, and we, we don't, don't have, have that rule to, we don't have that rule you know, where there's been times where we've in in in, wow. in the stages where we've seen some gas installing that's not been legally mm. um, correctly you know done. So we've had to change that. You know, and landlords been unaware of it mm. because it's not there. So um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Okay, definitely some changes there. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest pitfalls to a rental property, and how do you overcome them? If you're owning an investment property and it's a rental, what are those biggest pitfalls? Um, and you're going to say, hire you, hire you as the overcome. Yeah. You? <laughs> I, I think, you know, um, you know, the biggest thing that I can honestly say, and, and yes, I do work for, a, a, you know, a real estate company, but um, is to get let the professionals look after your, your investment property. You wouldn't go and, um, you know, own a business and have an accountant. You do your own accounts and 
you know, with all your taxes, you're going to have an accountant that is a professional for the, for, for your time um, and let us deal with it because we will be able to mitigate those pitfalls uh, as best we possibly can because sometimes it is a, a want from a tenant mm, and it's not mm. necessarily a need. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing. So you filter that. Yeah, and I, I've had I've had it so many times. Private landlords come to a company after they've had an experience that's not been too pleasant, mm. and that's the only time when we get them. And they say, "Oh, I've spent so much money, more money. Why have I not got a profit? You know, why have I not? You know, why have I spent so much more money? And I'm in a negative. And I'm like, because you do more. As a private yeah. landlord, you, yeah. you feel obliged to go and yeah. do it, and that's not. You take that on the sob stories as well, I bet. Yeah. When, you know, yeah, absolutely. And that's not saying that we don't do maintenance yeah, yeah. and things like that, yeah. but it's, it's the case of certain things that there's a line. Yeah. Now it's election year coming up. We've had our politicians in the show the last few weeks. Uh, what would be your sort of electioneering request for our politicians? What do you think needs tweaking, changing, or left alone um, when it comes to this property world? I absolutely think that um, the legislation of the 90-day rule needs to be changed. And it was quite interesting to listen to um, the the National Party um, in, in his perspective of it. And, and, he, and I absolutely sympathise there. You know, it's not just the people that's got money or investors or landlords that want that 90-day rule to be changed. It's the most vulnerable out there. Yeah. It absolutely is. And that caught me a little bit, with both ACT and National saying, you know, it's our vulnerable people that say, I need a second chance. Mm -hmm. I've had a blip in my life, and now that 90-day rule's gone, people won't take a risk. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have to disclose to a certain extent, obviously we're we're bound by this privacy law that's changed life (laughs) for us all. Um, And we have to include certain things, you know. The landlord wants to know what they come through. So if you've got someone that's wanting that second chance or that new new Mm. beginnings um, and you've got someone that's a a sturdy, you know, professional couple, who are you going to choose when you can't get rid of them from a property? Yeah, yeah. If that that gets trashed, you you know, and that's the the thing. So I think absolutely that needs to be looked at. Um, The bright line, I think, you know, we'll get more investors in the market um, and um, really interesting on the buy to rent um, side as well um, you know we have got a shortage of, of housing you know we see that every single day of our life um, we don't need statistics to say that you know when you've got 50 60 people waiting to view a property every time we put it on the market mm. um, so we need to, to we need to bring the investors in to, to make more housing to make it more affordable for, t- for our New Zealanders. Yeah, absolutely. All right, how can people get in touch and find out more and speak to you and your team? And it's not just the other two that you cover, is it? No, no, absolutely not. We we, we do cover um, um, all areas. Um, however... We are the specialists of, of, of the TL2 Peninsula because that is is where um, uh, our, our big portfolio mm. portion is. But come and see us. Come and pop in and see us, you know, um, and we're, we're great to sit, sit down and have a chat, um, even go for a coffee across the road. Um, you can always give us a call on 0983433328. Or my personal work mobile, um, 027-839-1349. Brilliant. And head to barfoot.co.nz forward slash Tiara 2 and you'll get all the details on Dan and his team. And head to moneyhub.co.nz for Doug and his team. Thank you, Dan, for sharing the afternoon with me. All the best for the rest of the year. And we'll catch up after the election and see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. Awesome. Thanks so much to our guests. 
tonight. A reminder, if you've got something to talk about or have some questions you'd like us to answer, email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. We would love to chat to you. We've got some fabulous guests coming up. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as Property Matters Radio. And remember, you can download all our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Samsung, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love to listen to them. Have a fabulous week. I'll catch you next week. Take care.